Back once again by popular demand, it is time for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home to Chicago Cubs checking. You can open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Now, I'm Cole Wright at your service as usual, joined at the hip by my guy, Tony Andraki, our digital content manager over at Marquee Sports Network. And today, well, what a treat for all the listeners out there because we're joined by the Cubs VP of Player Development, it's Matt Dory coming to us live and direct from the great Northwest. Matt, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'd definitely rather be down in Arizona with our players, but uh, we're doing our best to, to stay connected with those guys remotely. Absolutely. Well, let, let's go right there first and foremost to talk about the guys down there in Arizona right now. Give us a progress report. How are things going as we inch closer every single day to spring training? Yeah, I mean, it's been going well. I mean, we have kind of a remote, you know, remote skeleton staff that's kind of helping man the day-to-day down at the complex in Arizona. Um, those, those 40 man players that live down there or have, you know, residences down there. We have a few guys working out daily. Um, and, you know, we expect some more guys to start trickling in as we get closer to that report day for uh, pitchers and catchers. So um, everybody's excited um, that we're, you know, we can be around our players again on the field. Matt, I know we've said this a lot. 2020 was just such a weird year, and it was, but it was especially weird for development with no minor league season. So how did you guys navigate that, and what are you guys maybe carrying over from 2020 that you learned to 2021 and beyond as we kind of face this uncertain future? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a challenge that I didn't think I was going to face first year on the job as uh, the farm director, but um, one, I, I just give a lot of credit to the players. Um, we didn't know how they were going to react. And I think, you know, they, they were looking for guidance and they, they looked at this as an opportunity, um, to try to, to separate themselves from their, you know, the players in, in the organization and across the industry. So we just, we, we took a, you know, a hard look at what our resources were, how we could connect with our players. And we just doubled down, um, on those efforts, really, leveraging technology and uh, leveraging our, our research and development team and our dev team and uh, found, found ways that we connect with our players remotely. And whether that was through developing the app um, that all of our players possess so we could program and prescribe individual training programs, um, their throwing programs, their innings build up. I mean, we literally tried to run a minor league season, um, although we couldn't be together. So all credit goes to the players. They really bought in and we felt like guys made significant strides um, in their development, but truly until we all get back together as a group, we won't be able to really measure that, but I'm excited. Um, I, I think that we all grew a lot, you know, facing this adversity and I think it'll make us closer more connected and, and more, more dynamic of a player development infrastructure because of the challenges we face. Matt, it's tough to develop guys when everyone's scattered around. But, you know, from all indications, you said there seems to be an abundance of players down there in Arizona right now. Was that kind of, you know, a message that was sent before everything wrapped up? Guys, you know, who knows what 2021 is going to look like? Our best bet for everybody to be on the same page is to have a whole bunch of guys down there in Arizona. So even though maybe not getting those one-on-one in-person workouts, you're still pretty close and able to get something going on. Well, I mean, I don't think we have an abundance down there right now. It's truly just guys on the 40-man roster um, because we do have pretty 
you know, pretty strict restrictions on, you know, testing and, and the other COVID protocols going on at all of our facilities and, and really 40 man guys have access if they choose to, and it's very much voluntary, voluntary at this point, but um, kind of going back to, to how we ran our instructional league program, that was a huge initiative to pull off for our minor league players um, with the backing of ownership, you know, it was a, a you know, pretty sizable financial contribution to make sure we created this opportunity for our minor league guys. And so, you know, going back to that, it was a five and a half week program where um, we were able to touch a lot of our players and, and get check-ins, not just on the baseball side and going out and competing every day on the field versus outside competition, but also from, you know, really leveraging and, and allowing our high performance team to, to, to spend significant time with those players for that five and a, five and a half week block. And then we ran a high performance camp with no baseball activities that piggybacked that with, I think, almost 40 players. So we had a seven, seven and a half week block of time with our players and our coaches earlier this fall um, so that we could send players back home with a, a really updated snapshot of where they're at and, and reassess and rebuild out their individual player plans for this, this offseason. So as you talk about those individual player plans, how do you manage the uh, cautious approach versus trying to be aggressive with some of these guys, particularly with pitchers who didn't get any, you know, substantial innings in 2020? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I don't know that anybody has the answer for that, but I do know that this is, you know, dating back pre pandemic, we really took a hard look at what, what it means to be aggressive or, um, less risk averse. Um, I think we had a pattern of like potentially holding or putting some pretty hard caps on our, our young pitchers. Um, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's tough to develop when you're injured, but we also recognize it's almost impossible to identify and, and really measure, um, you know, what's more risky than not. And uh, our whole model moving forward in player development and pitching specifically is being player centric and allowing the players to have more ownership and guidance of how aggressive they want to be. Um, and so we've, we've really put it back into their court um, through just, you know, doubling down on collaboration and communication with our players directly and making sure they're the key stakeholder in their career. So when we look at building out any individual training plan, um, we're trying to be more aggressive, but being aggressive mindfully and really targeting what we feel like they need to improve on. If it's velocity development, then being aggressive in that lane um, and really not worrying so much about innings build out, but really targeting specific development needs that that pitcher, that, that pitcher has or that player has and making sure we check that off the box before we throw more things at them in their developmental you know, timeline. Now, Matt, you talked about that 40-man roster, and there's a handful of guys who are no longer on that roster. John Lester, you Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, Kyle Schwarber. You know, that, that makes your job – I don't know if it makes it more difficult, if, if it makes it a little bit busier when it comes to your schedule. When you take a look at the roster and what you have moving forward, how do things change when it comes to your day-to-day? -day? Well, you know, it's definitely more difficult. You lose the caliber of those type of players off your roster. It's – you know, they're not – easily backfilled. Um, but the, the first word that pops to my mind and we're making sure that our players that are on that roster and all of our upper level minor league players internally understand this is that 
that means opportunity. Um, you know, when some of these veteran guys that have held, held down significant spots for a contending team for a long time, um, you know, depart, there's opportunity there to, to take the reins of those jobs and make them their own. Whereas in years past, some of our upper level minor league guys didn't have those, those clear paths or opportunities laying in front of them. So I think it's an exciting time um, for our young players to, to kind of reset their sights on their, their objective, which is being successful major league teams for a contending club. And that's what we're going to be. So I, I get excited. I have actually goosebumps talking about it because you see a lot of these minor league guys that have grinded, gotten themselves into this point, and then recently added to the 40-man roster. Like, it's never been closer for them. And uh, I'm excited about those guys having that opportunity. And now it's truly up to them about the work they're putting in, um, the focus that they have. And uh, you know, it's, it's right there for them to grab. So I can't wait to see the competition and see some of these guys really step up and grab some of those spots in the spring training. It, on the topic of opportunity, too, we saw Edward Alzelay, Tyson Miller, other guys take advantage of their opportunity last year. So what are some of the specific guys or who are some of the specific guys that you think might be able to get an opportunity at the big league level, whether being in the in some of those rotation or bullpen spots or, or just in general on the, the position player group as well? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, some of the guys that we, we added to the 40 man, this last year with Braylon, um, I think Chris Morrell is probably a year away. Uh, but he's a really exciting young talent that, you know, we, we protected on the roster because we believe in his upside. Um, he made such huge strides um, in South Bend that I'm not, you know, turning the page and saying he can't make his debut in, in 2021. But I do think he has some developmental goals that he still needs to accomplish. Um, but on the pitching side, and I think, you know, we saw Justin still get up there. He didn't pitch. And then he had a little bit of a hamstring issue. Um following his call-up that just really became a, a really bad time for him because he, he was making such positive headway um, in South Bend. And I think he's a guy that has every opportunity to come in and, and win a job. And, you know, this is a really important spring training for Braylon as well. And uh, we're excited about, you know, Steele and Braylon, those two left-handers with those kind of, that kind of stuff uh, coming into camp and potentially either earning a job out of, out of spring training or, or being sizable contributors in 21. Matt, when you talk about the, the, the pitch lab down there in South Bend, uh, you know, there's, you know, a, a lot of pieces to that puzzle and a lot of things that help that engine keep up. But, you know, the, the one guy who was instrumental seemed to be Craig Breslow, the new vice president of pitching for the Chicago Cubs. I mean, and, and, and how great of a, of, a, of a label is that the vice president of pitching, but I mean, just for everybody <laughs> out there who doesn't know, just, just tell, just tell all the folks at home, you know, how instrumental he was and how important he is to this franchise, especially when it comes to a pitching perspective, because this guy's as smart as it gets. Yeah, no doubt. I, I joke all the time that I drive down the team GPA um, in, in player <laughs> development. Um, but yeah, no, Brez is, uh, he's obviously, you know, super bright, but I think what probably doesn't get talked about enough is just how much he cares about each pitcher on a granular level. Like he really um, has invested a ton of time in building relationships in a short amount of time since being named, you know, the director of pitching a year ago and now most recently the VP of pitching. But um, the amount of time that he spends on the phone with pitchers, with staff, uh, collaborating with research and development, um, Ryan Otero, who kind of 
heads up the R&D efforts on the pitching side for, for the minor league players. Um, it's just there's so many man hours put in behind the scenes before they even deliver a plan to a, to a pitcher. And then just how mindful he is to connect, um, whether it's a bilingual you know, player or a Spanish-speaking player or you know, somebody that we just acquired in the draft um, this past year. It's, a, it's, a, it's an enormous asset. Um, he's really done an unbelievable job of truly like identifying the needs of the organization and the pitching infrastructure and, and pouring all of our resources into, into addressing those while, while staying really open-minded and humble um, that there's a lot of, a lot of things out there that we haven't yet learned. And uh, we'll continue to push the envelope as a department under his leadership to make sure that we, we have every resource for our pitchers um, to develop and, and maximize their upside. So it's an exciting time. I'm, I don't want to undersell it. Uh, I want to make sure that, you know, Brez also is the AGM too. So he's got the, you got the biggest business card in the organization as well to fit all those titles on there. Yeah. Now if, if he's the vice president of pitching, I got this one and another one real quick before we bounce back to Tony, if, if he's the vice president of pitching, who's the president and does, does he still take that Harvard medical school entrance exam every year because if I'm not mistaken he had to take it every <laughs> single year or else it would elapse and he was no longer a candidate to get in I you know I don't know that I, know, I think it's you know I know he went to Yale so I'm not sure if he went to Harvard Medical School there's a, a lot of diplomas on that guy's wall um I'm not sure he he's definitely has you know a PhD now in, in pitching because the, the stuff that he's bringing every day um to our coaches and and the development of all of this I've learned a ton um, because of Brad. So, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm super excited, um, not only for the organization, but I'm just excited for our players to have that type of resource and leadership that they can lean, lean on moving forward. Speaking of the pitching standpoint, uh, some of these guys we, we haven't really seen, obviously, in Chicago yet, but, you know, like Cole Franklin or, or Ryan Jensen, Corey Abbott, guys who are, you know, potentially on the cusp and have high pedigree. Uh, how have you seen them develop, whether it's working with Breslow or, or just in general, maybe adding to their repertoire, too? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll start with Corey. Um, he's obviously coming off being our pitcher of the year in the minor leagues in 2019. And. I had the, the opportunity to watch him in South Bend. And then he also came down to the instructional league as well. So I have, you know, kind of more firsthand knowledge of, of his transformation, um, his development. Um, he's in a really good spot right now. Uh, he's, he's another guy I didn't mention earlier, but has a, has a real opportunity to, to win a job in spring training. Um, and I, I would expect um, that he, he does contribute sometime in 21. Um, you know, he's really – spent a lot of time evolving, changing his body. Um, he's gotten into the best shape of his life. Um, and, you know, he has some really unique pitch character characteristics innately. Um, they, they, they work really hard on a one seam fastball, they call it. It's essentially his changeup. He's had, he has two above average breaking balls. He has the natural riding cut fastball, his four seamer. Um, but we wanted to try to get something else that could fill that void of a changeup. And so that, that fourth pitch is, is proving to be really, you know, a nice compliment to, to his other, other pitches in his mix. So he's super competitive. He's a really good athlete on the mound. He throws a ton of strikes. He does a lot of things that, that you want from a starting pitcher. And like I said, he's, he's put in a ton of time and effort to earn that spot on the 40 man. And uh, he's down in Arizona. He's been killing it. Um, and he'll come in in great shape. 
Um, with the other two guys um, you mentioned, uh, with Jensen and, and Cole Franklin, um, you know, unfortunately, Jensen didn't have as much opportunity because he wasn't in South Bend, but he ended up getting close to 70 innings of simulated innings last year. So it wasn't a completely lost year for his inning build out. Um, I think the, the, the one thing that we've really focused with Ryan is uh, trying to develop a curveball. He's always been a fastball slider and, and in college, you know, he had to change up. He didn't use it a ton. Um, so the curveballs made really big strides. Um, give him another weapon that he can land and throw for a strike. And then, you know, really attacking left-handed hitters. You know, the curveball proven really effective to get in, um, you know, in off on the back foot of left-handed hitters. So we feel like he's such a good athlete. He has such explosive stuff. Um, it's just like he needs to pitch and kind of fine-tune his craft. Um, but another guy that we're super excited about. And then with Franklin, you know, he keeps getting better. I mean, I think he probably grew another inch or two. Um, he's really filling out. I think he's added 15, 20 pounds of muscle. Um, he, he came down to Arizona um, for instructs just for a check-in. Um, the ball is flying out of his hand. Um, some early video this offseason, we had to, like, actually rein, rein him in a little bit. Um, but, I mean, if this guy's – sitting 95 to 98 next year, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and honestly, like he already has like a really impressive field to spin the ball, a true curveball, and he has one of the best changeups in the organization. So the sky's the limit for Cole. Um, we got, like I said, we got we to gotta pull the reins back on him a little bit. He wants to go fast and hard, but um, I think a full year, you know, full year of innings would be probably the best, you know, prescription for his development he just needs to pitch and, and go out and and navigate a full season yeah it makes a lot of sense that you had to rein them in guys that throw hard what do they like to do they like to go out there and throw hard as much as possible yeah, no as doubt. long as that shoulder's feeling good they're out there and they want yeah. to sling it now we went and talked about some of the guys on the mound but uh matt is it a fair comparison to say that shortstops nowadays at least within the cubs organization those guys can be labeled almost as an athlete if you were to make the comparison to the, the NFL or, or college football recruiting. You know, there's a guy that is a, is a quarterback or wide receiver. Well, he can play anywhere. He's an athlete. There's a lot of shortstops right now. It's from Ed Howard, from some of the guys that were acquired in the U Darvish trade, just to some of the guys that you pulled in during the international draft. Shortstop seems to be the flavor of the month right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you said it said it right. I mean, we're looking for athletes and usually the best athletes on any team you, you play on growing up or are playing shortstop or center field. And, uh, that's, that's not really too, too different than, um, the players that we acquired either through the draft or, or the recent trade. Um, the, it gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, if you can play shortstop at a high level, um, it's, it's pretty certain these guys can slide around the field and play multiple spots. I mean, you see that with Javi. I mean, he can play every spot in the infield. He can catch. He could go out and run around the center field. So um, we want to develop all these guys as shortstops because, you know, it's really hard to find a guy that can go out and catch the routine ball, make, you know, the really athletic, dynamic lateral plays, and honestly be the heartbeat and leader of the infield and, and the diamond um, to have that personality. So we want to develop all these guys as shortstops. And then, Quite frankly, you know, they'll tell us when they need to move off the position, whether they outgrow it, whether there's need um, at the upper levels elsewhere. And once they get to the big leagues, I mean, you see guys that have versatility and how they can impact your lineup. 
um, by giving the other guys days off and, and slide around either in the infield or the outfield. So, um, yeah, we want, we want as many, you know, plus athletes as we can. We've done that with these trades and most recently in the draft. And, uh, and we're really excited. You can never have too many of them. On the low, on the topic of athletes too, a guy like Brendan Davis has drawn rave reviews for just his athletic ability. And, and he seems like a prospect who's really uh, just come into his own and, um, can you talk a little bit about his development and really what kind of makes him so special as one of the top prospects in the organization? Yeah, Brent, Brennan is a, a unique athlete, you know, multi-sport guy in high school. Um, a guy that, that played honestly more basketball than he did baseball growing up. And, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those unique kids that because he hadn't played a lot of high-level baseball, he was really like, I don't want to say raw, but he was just like a ball of clay. Um, he didn't have like hard and fast set ways on weight on how he went about his routine or his swing or any of his mechanics or skills on the baseball field. He just was wet, ready to learn and uh, gave our coaches a great opportunity to just like give him a lot of information and give him a lot of feedback. And he is such a good athlete with really impressive aptitude and baseball IQ. He was able to apply those things really quickly. So usually don't see that you see a, usually a longer transition when you really try to implement swing changes or, you know, kind of overhaul anybody's natural move that they've been making for a long time growing up. Um, he, he was, you know, willing and able to make adjustments really quickly. And because he is so athletic, I mean, once he gets on the baseball field, he can just do things that others can't. And uh, he, he is unbelievable, just natural hand eye. Um, he makes really good swing decisions and, he's just now starting to really tap into his power. So um, we saw, saw him grow and evolve in South Bend. It was a really challenging environment um, playing against, you know, much older and more experienced competition. And uh, he, he faced adversity for kind of for the first time, um, not only just playing against tougher competition, but, you know, being, a, being around players much older than him. Um, there wasn't, a natural group of players that were his same age and weren't, you know, like he didn't have those relationships built. So on a personal level, you know, just trying to fit in um, was a challenge being away from home. And uh, he's really humble. He comes from his mom did an unbelievable job um, raising him. And he just leaned into every, every, you know, new piece of failure was he looked at it as opportunity and he embraced the adversity and uh, he came out of it, you know, such, such a more rounded player or well-rounded player. And, uh, you know, he's down in Arizona, he lives there full time. And he, 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 <laughs> he, he texts and emails one of our hitting guys or myself about like, Hey, can I get a high speed camera? Can I get a pitching machine? You know, he's just, he, he wants to go. He knows that he uh, he's making strides and, um, you know, I think the ceiling is, is, is really unlimited for Brennan, and we're excited about him. Matt, have you seen any, any of the workout video from Jordan Iwogu? Because uh, <laughs> it, it, it looks like he's ready to run through a brick wall. I, I know that, you know, his development from what we've seen when he was with the Mission Wolverines is not instantly translatable, but, I mean, his work ethic, it looks like it's second to none so far. Yeah, man, it's impressive. You know, I – I got a chance to meet Jordan for the first time down in Arizona when we had our instructional league and I knew he was physical. I knew he was athletic, but it's hard to, uh, when you, when you post them up and you're right next to him, 
I mean, this guy is just such a physically impressive and, and for those of the, I mean, you don't get to see it through his Twitter uh, video post, but he's like in, incredibly intelligent, bright, thoughtful. Um, he really cares about like becoming a better baseball player. And so the, the work ethic that you see on those videos, it translates to every other part of his game, whether that's making swing decisions, learning how pitchers are attacking him. Um, he really challenges himself defensively on the bases to become better in those areas. He knows those are areas he needs to work on because he hasn't played as much baseball as others. So, um, yeah, this guy's a beast physically, but I, you know, for all the fans out there, we have, you know, he's equally or better human being and, and really mindful, cognitive of like growing his entire game and not just the power and speed, all those things that you see on those videos. Matt, what's the plan with a guy like Miguel Amaya this year? And um, I know you have PJ Higgins as well, a guy who can catch and play multiple positions, but um, you know, What's the plan with those guys, really, with Caratini not here? There is a backup catching opportunity right now. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we went into, you know, prior to the trade, um, and catching was a strength in our organization. I still think it is. Um, obviously, losing a guy like like Vic, it's, you know, not easily replaced. He did so many things for that major league team. Um, you know, Miguel, again, another guy that was in South Bend and uh, – he was so impressive. He really matured in every part of his game. And he, he really wanted lobby to go play winter ball because he wanted to get more at bats. He felt so good with where he was at offensively and defensively that he went down to Puerto Rico and he played down winter ball down there and got some, got some more at bats and more experience, which, you know, we, we definitely supported. Um, you know, his plan is to come back into Arizona. He's from Panama. You know, the virus is really bad there right now. So he's going to come to Arizona as he lead, you know, leads into spring training and, you know, the plan for, for 2021 uh, still to be, to be determined. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, we feel pretty good with our AAA catching situation right now. You know, I know we signed Gushu uh, as a minor league free agent and PJ um, for the fans that don't know him. Um, you know, they got probably got to see him in spring training last year and the year before talk probably more about his versatility because he could play so many spots, but we're as the organization looks at his career, we've actually like really focused on making sure that catcher is his primary position and he gets most of his reps there. And uh, we saw in South Bend last year, he's really starting to drive the ball more and uh, especially to the pull side and get it in the air. Always had more of a contact approach. And that's is definitely his strength as a hitter is his contact ability his his in zone play discipline. But he also is strong enough to do some more damage. And we saw that manifest in South Bend, but um, he's also one, you know, so athletic behind the plate. He's such a, you know, plus thrower of the baseball. And um, he has one of those abilities to slow the game down that a lot of guys don't. So um, I'm really excited about PJ. Um, I think if he needed to go up and back up in the big leagues, you know, I think he would do a great job and also provide versatility to play, you know, some other positions, but um, we'll, we'll let it play out over spring training, but our catching depth's in, in a really good spot right now. Matt, when it comes to some of these younger guys and these prospects, you know, tr trying to make the big club this year, do you lean more towards caution or, or aggression when it comes to getting them up? Will, will it be a wait-and-see approach, or will you sit back and say, you know, th this is uh, the best man win? Uh, that's, that's the scenario that we're facing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think 
ultimately we want to make sure the player tells us when they're ready um, and not get guys there um, too soon where they have to come back. That's a, that's a really tough process. We saw Schwarber go through that. We saw Hap have to go through that. And uh, obviously they, they were ready in, in a lot of ways, but in some you know facets of their game, they weren't. Um, so I, I want to make sure that we just let, it, let the players tell us where they're at um, by their performance and by the fact that we have data now, objective data that will support when they're ready to be called up and when they're not. Um, there's, there's times when you just need a, you have a need in the big leagues and you have to do it. Um, but with our better prospects, we really want, want our you know, key performance indicators and those objective data points to be the drivers of when guys are ready. Um, so we don't just make an emotional decision that isn't best for the player or the organization long-term. Matt, who do you think uh, could, could be some of the, the guys within the system that take a huge step forward this year, whether it's, it's breakout, quote-unquote, or just guys that, that kind of take the huge developmental steps forward all through any level of the system right now? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think we have several of those candidates, honestly. Um, a guy that uh, kind of jumps out to me is Andy Weber. Um, Weber was in South Bend all last year. He's a guy that played shortstop. He can play second. I want to say he was our fifth or sixth round pick a few years back. Um, but he's gotten a lot stronger, a lot more physical, and uh, he's driving the ball a lot more. He was really impressive in instructional league. Another offensive guy um, would be Chase Strump. Um, he was our second round pick, and everybody kind of knows who he is. But um, he had a little bit of a wrist injury in spring training this past year and showed up to, to spring or to instructional league in great shape. Um, really advanced approach and, and, and driving the ball with authority. So I think those two guys um, would be the, the two kind of offensive breakout candidates that come to, come to mind. Um, on the pitching side, I, you know, I think we mentioned Jensen. I think he's a guy that's really good, you know, primed to have a big 2021. And the other one would be Riley Thompson. Um, this is a guy that was in South Bend a year ago, um, was really, you know, dominant at times, especially his last start in 2019 um and he really crushed it uh, during the shutdown and and showed up in the instructional league in great shape and this is a guy that has a huge arm go up and you know touch triple digits he's got one of the best curveballs in the system and uh he has a you know an, an improving changeup. so he's really got three weapons and uh, he's been working on a cutter there's some other things that you know i i, I wouldn't be shocked if this guy goes out and earns a job in, in double a and kind of skips high A and, and out of the gate this year. Matt, it seems as if, you know, this is a, an organization that seems to be getting younger. And that's, that's, that's a good thing in, in many ways. And when you look at the youth movement right now with this Cubs team, whether it's, you know, from the, the lowest level of, of, of minor league ball all the way to the top of the 40 man roster, you know, is, is, is the youth, is, is that going to be one of the things that propels David Ross and, and this team into the, into the, the pretty much their, their next chapter? Yeah, I mean, I think you see with some of the acquisitions that we've made recently, it's, you know, kind of doubling down on on youth and athleticism and and really kind of, you know, to shore up the minor league system and uh, provide depth and dynamic players, not only because we believe they, they're all going to contribute at Wrigley, but they also give you options um, this next cycle um, – that, that, I, that I think honestly begins in 21 
that you can also trade from this player pool and, and backfill your major league roster. So I think that, you know, volume of, of talent, um, and, we, and we've seen the Padres do this recently, but, you know, you really want to maximize on that window of opportunity when you feel like you have a team um, that can, can challenge for a World Series. It's, it's really important to have those assets and those players in your system that, you know, other organizations want. So I feel like we're doing that now. Um, I think we've done that over the last couple drafts. 2009, you know, 2020, not, not having a, a season, I think really held back a lot of our prospects that we felt were trending the right way. But I, I feel like um, everybody's going to see a, a different, different minor league, uh, you know, system once all these guys get back on the field in 21. Matt, looking big picture too, how much different has it been working with Jed uh, atop the front office? Has it really been much of a change at all from, from the transition from Theo to him? I mean, it's been great. I mean, I, I worked with Jed and Theo back in Boston and obviously my entire time here in Chicago. So for me, it's not that much different. Um, you know, obviously we missed Theo terribly and, and, and know that, um, you know, he was a huge part of, of the reason we've had as much success as we've had. So on a personal level, you know, not being able to, you know, connect with Theo and, and, and use him on a day-to-day basis as I've done my entire career has been different, but it also has opened up opportunities where I connect with Jed more than I ever have before. So on a personal level, it's, it's really brought myself and, and what we're trying to accomplish in player development um, closer to Jed and his ideas and, and that's been great. And I think it's been really beneficial that, you know, Jed is kind of the point person for a lot of the PD initiatives that have been rolled out. And it, it really does feel like a collaboration all the way from the top. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we already miss Theo and, and his leadership and his, you know, his daily competitiveness, you know, and, but Jed brings a different element while, you know, also, you know, providing a lot of those same characteristics that, that Theo did to the organization. Matt, real quick, before we get you out of here, over under five years before Theo Epstein is, is the next uh, commissioner of Major League Baseball. <laughs> I'm going to say over, um, but I don't know. I could be drastically wrong there. I, I'm really glad that Theo's providing his services and MLB accepted. Um, Theo, he provides such a unique perspective um, for, for our game, the state of our game and where it needs to go. And, you know, I don't want to speak for Theo, but there's nobody more passionate about the health of baseball um, for this generation and generations to come. And, you know, I think he's going to be able to, to have tough conversations um, with both sides to make sure that initiatives get, get delivered um, to the fans and that the health of our sport will, will directly be affected by his input. It already has been positively. And, you know, he's going to be in a position now where he can, truly speak for all 30 teams, all 30 fan bases um, to, to help deliver the best product to, to the fans and, you know, forever. Yeah. Theo Epstein, certainly a class for all seasons as are you, Matt Dory, Cubs vice president of player development. Thanks so much for taking the time out and first and foremost, stay safe and uh, good luck this season coming up. Yeah. Thanks a lot guys. I appreciate it. You, you guys do the same. Uh, 
Absolutely. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast brought to you by Trust. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and do it today. Yeah.